the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. You know, even in the midst of a pandemic, I got to say, some things, they just never change. Now hit my music. Who is the show stopper? But you can find my work at lifeinrepeat.com. Who is the main event? The entertaining and sexy, the champion himself. Who is the man? I figured we'd come in hot, so let's just come in hot. I am joined today by the icon, the show stopper, the main event, history maker, Mr. Reliable, Mr. Believable, the entertaining and sexy, Mr. Peter H. B. K. of Life in Repeat. I think I got them all, Peter. It's you can't even you you can't even fit them in tweets anymore. There's so there's so many of them. But Adam, Adam, Adam. Last time I was on your pod, I think we could both admit that my wife stole the show. She did. She's the show stop. <laughs> I'm willing to admit that, and I also understand that you that you tried booking her for this weekend. I tried, but, but she was too busy, so you reached out to me. Look, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> if I can't get the one A, I'll take the one B. No big deal. There you go. And also, too, as I pour my, it's we're just afternoon here, so it's a beautiful sunny day. So why not have a brewski? Um, and also, the last time I was on the show, we were both in Boston sitting less than two feet apart from one another for the first ever in-person episode in the history of the South of the Six podcast, then just over a week later, the world turned upside down. And I miss I miss those normal times. You know, those normal times when Adam was trying to convince us that Patrick McCall was better than <laughs> Terrence Davis. Whoa, I miss whoa, whoa. those you times. Mean, you mean the opposite. Oh, sorry. I got, well, that's yeah. not the way I remember. <laughs> I was I was saying Terrence Davis is better than Patrick McCall. I know. I'm just I'm just teasing you. But don't you miss those more normal times that we could argue about such things? Definitely. Like I don't. <laughs> it, it's the last. Believe it or not. All right. So as a parent, my wife and I, in a normal situation outside of a pandemic don't have a lot of time to like go out and do things you know we have a little one at home so our options are fairly limited it depends on whether or not a babysitter is available believe it or not back on february 28th when you and i saw each other at the encore in boston that is i think the last social interaction that i had that was like going out somewhere and doing something um so it's it's not only special that we got to meet and had that first ever in person podcast episode but it is it signifies the last time that you know i was able to do something in a normal situation and what's even more peculiar about that is now in hindsight looking back apparently that weekend there was a summit in boston and that is where it started to spread like wildfire in a different hotel so peter you and i literally dodged a bullet there no you're absolutely right and um that same 
night too, there um, the next night Houston was playing Boston on February 29th. We got together February 28th, and apparently the hotel I was staying at that's where James Harden was gambling till like five six in the morning and like really? a VIP room as well. So the the hotel is not only famous for us meeting there, but apparently it's an NBA hotspot with uh, the casino not too far from the Garden. Right, and I think it was a week after that. Um, when the Jazz came to play the Celtics, um, I think that's when Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell, I'm not sure who was infected first. It doesn't really matter at this point, but one of them was in that same casino slash hotel that you and I met up. And that's where it started to spread there. So we missed that by a week, Peter. Like, literally, it is so weird to think about that if you and I, if plans were different and, you know, the event that you were going to was held a week later, our lives could have been radically different. Oh, very, very well. I was there for a wedding. Who knows? The wedding might not have happened if right. it was like a week or two later, right? And if it was a week or two later, we could I could have been uh, a Canadian in America while this is happening. And who knows how getting back would have worked and stuff like that. So, I'm, yeah, I'm very grateful that I was home. I was in Toronto when all of that happened. But, you know, it just goes to show – this, this thing went from zero to 100 overnight. I went from we went from watching a Raptors game to suddenly no more basketball to workplaces shutting down. It's it was very it was very surreal. It almost was it was felt like I was watching a movie or I was in like a, some sort of disaster movie. Mm-hmm. And it took me like a few days to mentally adjust to like what was happening. I remember during that first week going to do a grocery run and it was like jam-packed people stockpiling their carts and i'm like what the hell's going on here like all you need to do is just buy enough for like if you have to be quarantined for 14 days but these people were like buying like the world was going to end and so i still remember those moments and this will always be like part of our history 20 years from now 30 years from now we'll be talking about this period right and and what came from it what we learned from it but I think we're all still sort of adjusting to this this new reality and we're all sort of yearning to go back to that to a, a, the more normal times now like a more simpler time right now we're just you know we're all just trying to stay healthy we're all just trying to stay safe and we're all just trying to like be kind and be well and you see it um with a lot of gestures in the community people helping older folks pick up groceries but you also have that small percentage who are just – they just don't get it. And um, and, and I, I just keep coming back to like never underestimate the stupidity of people because there are <laughs> stupid people out there doing stupid things. But anyways, let's not dwell on the negative. We have so much positive potentially to discuss. But yeah, the – the, I, I yearn for a time when we can get back to some sort of semblance of normal. And I think we're starting to see maybe not necessarily a finish line, but sort of um, markers and various points that we can hit that could introduce things that we had to sort of say goodbye to over the last couple months. So it'll be interesting to watch would that be reintegrated back into everyday life, seeing how people react to a new normal and everything. So this is an interesting time to live in. <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's an understatement. It won't be long, Peter. All we have to do is stay patient. It won't be long until you and I have another opportunity 
to pound some Narragansett beers all over. There again. we go. Exactly. Well, I was there in February. I said, Adam, Boston Celtics, second round. I'm coming to Boston again. There you go. So that looks like that won't happen this year, but hopefully uh, a future playoff date. And I, I have no doubt whether it's in Toronto or me and but Rhode Island or Boston, um, our paths will cross again. Well, let's not bury the lead when it talks to when it comes to rather uh, possible playoff scenarios and when they will be. Um, we have a whole lot to talk about, but before we do, we got to get some house cleaning out of the way and then we can begin. Um, first of all, if you're listening to this for the first time, thank you very much. We appreciate the download, especially during these times. Um, it is my pleasure and my honor to come into your homes and to sort of give you a semblance of normalcy and a little bit of a distraction to what's going on in your lives today in the unfortunate scenarios. So. Uh, if you're listening to us for the first time, welcome. Please feel free to subscribe to the show. And if you haven't already, leave us a review on whatever podcast platform that you're listening to this on, if they offer it, if they have some sort of rating system, some sort of review system. Uh, it would really help us out a lot if you just leave us five stars, a quick review. Um, we, Like I said, we do this on the regular. Once a week, I do a Raptors show. Um, I have various guests. Peter is a, a, a very much recurring guest on the show. Um, if you're... If you, like I said, if you stumbled upon this for the first time, you picked a great episode to come on because Peter always brings the heat, Mr. HBK himself. Um, also, if you uh, like what you hear, you can tell all your fellow NBA fans slash Raptors fans about the show. Word of mouth is crucial. Again, support your independent uh, podcasters, support your independent writers. Now more than ever, we need it. Now more than ever, it helps us out a lot. So um, with that, we're going to take our first quick break. When we come back, we got a lot of NBA stuff to cover, and then we're going to cover uh, some possible playoff roulette situations. Hang tight. We will be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, let's get into... Look, I, I hate doing this, but this is what's going on in the world right now. We got to do a COVID check when it comes to the NBA. We don't have to get into the nitty-gritty about what's going on with the virus and you know uh, how impactful it is. We already know. But when it comes to the NBA, a lot of things has changed so far. So already, the NBA has postponed the May NBA draft lottery and combine. We'll break this down line by line. Peters, does that surprise you at all in any way, or is this just par for the course right now? It's not surprising. I think it was um, inevitable at this point, right? We, there's there's so much we don't know, um, and you potentially can't have a draft lottery if the NBA is hopeful to for a resumption of the regular season whether they play out all the games whether they play out only a handful more that could theoretically impact the standings and and thus um the draft lottery itself so there's to me there's no harm in pushing it back it does you know what i mean it doesn't mean it's it's not going to happen it's just going to happen at a different date because there's too many uh, variables right now there's too many unknowns at the moment and you kind of want the draft lottery to be at the the end of the the regular season at the very least so you get the sense that the nba maybe optimistic is the wrong word but they're they're hopeful um that you can already just stuff from uh woge and reporting on espn that they're 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 sort of talking about ways of resuming play 
Um, once it can be deemed that this way of doing it is is safe, is there a foolproof way to do it? I don't know, and I'm and I'm sure they're exhausting um, all those avenues at the moment. But to put things on pause at the moment, we man the season's already on pause, so there's it just made sense that things on the calendar will be pushed back respectively until we're at a point where we can make uh, the NBA can make a firm decision on on when these things are going to happen and for those of you who who say well no they don't they're, they're not necessarily going to do a regular season they could jump into the playoffs um to that i say that that's not going to happen there is going to be a continuation of the regular season and it's for a very one it's a very simple obvious thing and for those who watch the wire you know what i'm about to say you just follow the money okay <laughs> And that's the state of it. Um, this is I'm not breaking any news here, but um, teams get the full regional, the full amount of their regional sports contract if they play 70 regular season games. Right. If not, they have to pay back money to the networks. Who, maybe there's a scenario where the networks just say, you know what, that's OK. We'll give you your full amount. Maybe let's throw in a play in tournament or some way to make it up. Who knows? Right. But that's regional money for a team that – and if you say, hey, we're just going to start the playoffs, how do you think teams um, not in the playoffs are going to feel? There's no money coming into them, right? So maybe them playing five or six more regular season games fills the, the wallet a little. But I do think the – and the, the remain – I do think the goal would be to play a handful of regular season games, get everyone up to at least 70 and those regular season games could three could theoretically serve as a quote unquote training camp up to the playoffs because I don't think it's realistic to just say all oh, right round one playoffs tomorrow right like you gotta you gotta build you gotta build into you gotta build momentum into that you gotta build that muscle memory that has been on the sidelines since this started so the draft not a surprise that'll that'll come when when the time is right but it does seem the NBA is determined to crown a champion should be noted that the draft is still scheduled for june 25th that has not been pushed um so depending on how far back the lottery and the combine is pushed is going to determine what's going on with the draft if they decide to go through the regular season at all um and you're right they can't really do a lottery until the regular season has been either called or there's some sort of resumption towards it um, so I don't know. I, I think that when it comes to these things, we've seen the NFL be able to do a, a, a sort of a virtual draft and have it on TV and be successful with it. There's no doubt in my mind that the NBA couldn't do the same thing if they had to. Um, sorry, there's no doubt in my mind that they could do the same thing if they had to. But when it comes to the lottery, obviously they need to determine an order and whatnot. So it's sort of a chicken and an egg thing. The season has to be either called or resumed before there's a lottery. It, that's just the name of the game. And when it comes to the logistics, when it comes to the monetary and the value of it, I think you're right. I, I did, first of all, I didn't know anything about the uh, the 70 game uh, televised game thing, so that's news to me. But it makes total sense. Um, so if my math is correct, you have some teams with like five or six games left before hitting that mark. So are you saying that? Maybe they'll just finish up those five, six games, or do you think they're going to resume until they hit eighty-two? If you were, what's your best guess? So it, that it, that all depends on um, when they get a clear picture of when they can resume, right? I think at the very least they'll try to get up to seventy games, 
if for some reason in the next few weeks things take a turn for the absolute better, which is an incredibly optimistic view of the situation, I think they'll try to fit in as many games as possible because that means money for the players, money for the owners, that sponsorship, that that could be present unique ways to carve up the schedule. If people are at home right now, maybe there's afternoon games, right? Um, there'll be more of a, a demand for these games, but I do think they will be a semblance of a regular season and that magic number is 70. In an ideal world, I think they'd like to get up to 82 because if there's a playoff race, suddenly you go from having... Um, 15, 16 games left to maybe four or five. So if you're the Blazers, the Pelicans, or the Kings, that two and a half, three and a half game deficit, that's a lot harder to make up in five or six games than it is over the course of the season, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then those owners of those teams aren't just going to be like, yeah, you know what? We're good with not making the playoffs. That playoff revenue uh, from the TV, from any merchandise, we're good. We're good. We're going to pass on that. You know, we're like, we, people got to think like we like they got to think that this is you got to follow the money in these things. Right. So they're trying to think of how to recoup as much money back, how to generate interest, get that interest back. Not that it'll be lacking from people who pay attention on the regular, but maybe the casual fan um, as the season winds down, they they want to get their attention. So if I were to guess, I would say it's it's a. And if they could, they would do all 82, but I think they'll probably try to get up to 70, 75 games. There needs to be some sort of games first, because like I said, you can't hop right into the playoffs. And if that's what they do, that's probably their worst case scenario where this drags out um, a little bit longer. Right. And then it's just, so every day that passes is sort of narrows the window for a season to resume and the number of days you have left. Right. Because then. At some point, you have to start thinking about the 2021 season, right? And when that'll start and how that is impacted. And then you – and there's been some reports of some executives and agents who are against the regular season resuming, saying it's not a good idea. And then similar with that, you follow the money. I bet you those are agents of players who are about to be free agents. They don't want their guy to go back, maybe play five games, maybe tore his Achilles. He goes from making – I'm not going to knock on wood. Let's use Fred Van Fleet, for mm -hmm. example. I'm sure his agent has a vested interest in him just going to eliminate as many games as possible he has to play. Um, he might not be a good example because he's going to play anyways if there's a playoff. But if you have a free agent on a team that wasn't going anywhere, they might be due for a big payday. They play again. They injure their ankle, Achilles tear, ACL tear, and suddenly they go from making 15, 20 million to maybe getting a one-year deal, kind of like a DeMarcus Cousins situation, right? So... All of these interests are motivated by money, and that's that shouldn't be a surprise, and we are consumers of this product, so we get that, whether that's us turning on the TV, so the ad money in the commercials goes to them, whether that's us buying tickets, going to a game, buying our championship gear, you know, like we are consumers of this, and so they have to think, and this NBA is a business at the end of the day, they have to recoup losses, so how do they recoup losses? play as many games as possible, get creative. Maybe you see that play in tournament, who knows, but they have to figure out a way that all 30 teams can make money. So when you hear people say, oh, they'll just go to the playoffs. If I'm an owner of a non-playoff team, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I need some money too. Right. Right. And you know, you, you make a good point for those that are scheduled to be UFAs next season. What think about players that had a player option. And I'm looking like directly at DeMar DeRozan right now. 
he has a player option for next season. Before this all went down, he was saying, like, look, if I'm not going to get an extension from San Antonio, I want to explore the, tri- uh, the, the free agent market. I, I kind of want to take my chances on there. Turning down $27 million before this happened was bold enough. Now, after this happens, like, these kind of situations could completely be flipped, especially if they go right into the playoffs. Someone like DeMar DeRozan might be like, oh, man, I, I need to, like, take what I can get right now and ha- play a full season, playoffs or not. And then maybe I, when I'm a UFA, I can explore these options then. But right now, you have various situations and various scenarios that might be completely flipped on their head because the season was called or it's shortened. Exactly. And think about someone like Anthony Davis. He's going to sign a he, – he could have signed like a five-year, close to $200 million deal or maybe even more with the Lakers, right? Because that's based on a full healthy cap, a percentage of the cap. So if the cap – if the cap space goes down 15 million and he's supposed to get 35% of that, is he going to be inclined to sign a full five-year deal or is he going to opt into his at 20, whatever million it is, play it out. Hopefully the cap kind of resuscitates itself and he could sign for more. And then you have someone like Giannis, right? Like this, these things affect him mm. like that. Suddenly that super max from Milwaukee might seem a lot more attractive and say you're a team like Toronto who was hoping to get in on the Giannis sweepstakes and you were budgeting your books based on a $120 million cap. And now suddenly that's 105 or a hundred. You suddenly went from having space for him to not having space for him. So this is, there's so many ripple effects that, that this can, that this can have on the league and for players and it could change plans that were already in place. You know what I mean? Like for, for an example, if, if this happened while Kawhi was still a Raptor, maybe that five year 200 million (laughs) max sounds a lot better than going to the Clippers for a four year max, which is a, which instead of 35 million, it's like 25 million or something. You know what I mean? Like if this, this will have an effect on things that we, we don't, we're not even thinking about yet because we we're just hope we we're just hopeful for the season to get going, but this is going to have an impact on roster construction, on free agents, on the amount of money people were going to get. Like Van Fleet was ready for a big payday, and I'm sure the Raptors will honor that in some form. But if if he was going to get 20 million out of available 120 million cap sheet. May, and that goes down to 100 million. Maybe suddenly he's at they're, they're just giving him like 12 million. Then maybe he signs a one year deal, right? This changes the whole dynamics of team building. That's going to be very interesting to monitor as as things pick up. It should be noted, you know, on that note about Fred Van Vliet, I saw some sort of tweet or image, whatever. Uh, I don't know the, how much truth there is to this, but apparently he's willing because of the situation. And this is more to your credit. He's willing to take a short, uh, a smaller deal or a or a, a one year deal to to prove his worth to earn that big contract rather than search for it if the season were to close down, right? So if they call the season, no playoffs, nothing. Um, he has apparently said that he'll come back or look for a one year deal to recoup his value. So again. This is someone that was probably looking at a decent-sized contract from the Raptors or not. Like, let's say De- Detroit was going to go bold and send him s- something close to the max. That's probably out the window right now. Like, in, in all honesty, it probably is. And if he didn't want to go there and he was going to have some sort of gamble 
with the Raptors and Detroit or see if they wanted to go head-to-head. Now he might be more inclined to be like, yo, Toronto, if you're going to give me a one-year, $12 million deal, I'll take that, and then we can revisit things the following year. Yeah, and I, I think... I think Fred Van Fleet is is kind of rare amongst athletes. Like, he hasn't had his big payday yet, right? Sure, he got that two year, eighteen million, which to you and I is yeah, that's that's yeah. amazing. But in NBA speak, he hasn't had his big payday, right? We're talking like like that eighty million plus contract, right? Most players don't think the way he does. He like he said in his interview, "I'm already filthy rich," so. He kind of has a unique perspective on things that I'm, I'm not sure um, cuts across to all athletes in, in, in the NBA and across sports. So that's that's great to hear. And it also speaks to like I, I don't think there was ever a flight risk of Fred Van Fleet leaving, even if some teams threw the full max at him. Because I don't think Toronto, A, would get rid of such an amazing player, someone who has institutional knowledge of the team, right? He's been with the team since the get-go, knows that playbook. He's been mentored by Kyle Lowry. He's he's mentoring Terrence Davis. You don't get rid of players like that. So if the Raptors weren't going to max him out, they were at least going to give him a respectful contract where he can say, well, I maybe took a little bit of a, a home team discount, but man, I'm getting well paid. Yeah, you know, it does make you wonder, you know, calling back to what you said about Giannis, if now, because, you know, the books are changing and the Raptors don't have that revenue to, um, you know, supplement a contract to Giannis that will entice him to come to Toronto, like close to a max or a max itself, I would imagine, that might change the game. And they'll be like, you know what, Fred, like, we have a little bit more money on the books because we're not necessarily saving for 2021 anymore. As much as that pains me to hear or to say out loud, like, it, things seem to change, right? And this is part of the formula of change. So maybe now the Raptors, if whatever, the season continues or if it gets called, maybe they're inclined to be like, look, we don't have the money on the book to give someone a max contract, but we can give you something that you deserve. Like, I know a lot of people are hesitant to give them four at 20 or four at 25. Maybe they'll be like, yo, we'll give you four, 15 million a year. Like, that to me is not, that's a $60 million contract. That's not, out of that's nothing that's gonna make me shocked or make me scoff at. Like, in fact, I think that's a little bit underpaid. But you know, if they offer him that, I'm for it. That's fine with me. Yeah, and I I, I think in a regular environment, if this uh, pandemic didn't happen, like Fred Van Fleet was getting a ninety to one hundred and ten million dollar payday. Like, agree. To yeah. me, that's what he's worth. And I know there's a segment of the fans who don't necessarily see that value and. I mean, I, I, that's their opinion, obviously. I am not going to be able to change that. But I think we also saw it with Siakam a little. It's like, whoa, they gave him a max contract. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He slowed down a little. There was that segment that was that was like that as well. And then the season starts. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, he's a max player. I get yeah. it. I get it. Right? So who knows? Um, and, and also, I'll say this. Like, cap space, like, we, we talk about cap space a lot. You got to preserve cap space. You got to have cap space. We got to get Giannis. And the only way to do that is to get cap space. How the hell did Jimmy Butler get to Miami? Right. You know, if a star wants to come to your team, he will be on that team. So that's what I'm not necessarily worried about cap space per se, because that'd be great. You just absorb him. You don't have to like give away pieces. He just absorbs on the team. But if Giannis wants to be in Toronto and Toronto was 50 million over the cap space, he would be on Toronto. Yeah. Like, Super like cap space isn't a prerequisite to getting a superstar. The Miami Heat wanted Jimmy Butler, 
And lo and behold, the Miami Heat got Jimmy Butler despite being over the luxury tax. How fucking baller would that be if Masai was like, yeah, we want you, but we can't afford you. So, you know, hard pass, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I know we were sending out some smoke signals that we were interested, but, you know, man, sorry. Sorry, man. Another time. Cap space is a thing. It's hard. Um, (laughs) Let's move on. The NBA sent out a memo on Thursday night. I think this is important. Um, They sent out a memo Thursday night advising teams not to arrange COVID tests for asymptomatic players and staff. Instead, they want to save those for frontline workers. I admire that, right? And I, and I tweeted that out. Like, I 100% understand the merit to this, and I don't discount the, the positive nature towards this incentive. I totally get it. My issue with this, though, is the catch-22. First of all, frontline workers deserve these tests way more than athletes every day. Like, you cannot convince me that LeBron James or, or go down the line to, I don't know, Malcolm Miller deserve to be tested every day more than those in the hospital, more than those that are working in the front line. You can't convince me that that's true. It's just, it's just not. Um, but the, the flip side of this is say the season does resume. The problem is, is that you can, as we've discovered, you can be asymptomatic for up to two weeks. And within that two week period, that is when you're the most contagious. So it, it, it's puzzling. Yes. You want to save these for the frontline workers and these, I don't want to say deserve, but maybe they do. But yeah, I will say deserve it more than professional athletes. But at the same time, are, is that meaning the NBA is not doing everything that they can to keep their workers and their employees as safe as possible if the season were to resume? So that's the fact it comes back to what is an essential service, right? And we are not at a point, um, at least not in every region in North in Canada and the U.S. that's been that's affected by this, which is ever all the regions. Like some regions have more readily testing available until it becomes like something everyone can do. Something like I'm going to go to the local pharmacy and oh, I'm going to spit on this thing and it'll tell me if I have coronavirus, <laughs> right? At some point, it'll get to some marketable point like that where there's a self-test for it or though there's a vaccine, right? And it just becomes how we think about the flu, right? right. Like, oh, it's flu season. Oh, it's uh, COVID season. Make sure you get your vaccine, right? And the, the fear of getting it isn't trumped because there's a vaccine for it as opposed to, oh shit, I might die. Right. Right. So you're absolutely like the NBA and they're being very socially progressive. Like Adam Silver has pretty much said, like, we can't do widespread testing of our players if widespread testing isn't available for the rest of the country. Right. That's a that's a bad look. But sadly, decisions aren't being made by medical experts and scientists, we have politicians driving this, we need to reopen forward, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the scary part that you have politicians making these decisions, as opposed to um, your, 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 your city's public health official, uh, your chief medical officer. Those are the people I want to hear from the people on the front lines, the nurses, the doctors, and they say, you know what? It's okay. Now you guys can go back. That's who I want to hear from. Right. I don't want to hear from some underqualified politician who probably doesn't even know how to spell coronavirus telling us that it's okay to come back. That's where you, that's, that's an uncomfortable situation. But the sad thing is that a lot of people are more inclined to listen 
to the politicians with no medical experience as opposed to the actual people who are dealing with this on a day-to-day basis. And the people who are out flaunting the, 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 the city's bylaws and like going out, doing mass gatherings, like those are the people who are unaffected by it. They don't know someone who's been affected by it. They haven't lost a grandmother. They haven't lost a, an older relative. They haven't had to go into the hospital for 14 days, be away from their family. It's like, it's one of those things where you don't, and it's sad, but you don't empathize unless you've experienced it. And then suddenly you're like, oh my God, all these people are really stupid for going out. But there's this sense of like, oh, this won't happen to me. And odds are it's not going to happen to you. But you know what? Like I'm, I'm not dumb. I'm, 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 I'm in my thirties. I'm, I'm in that vulnerable age group. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not invincible. And you know, I also, I, I work at a hospital and there's days where I have to go in and I'm scared to death when I come home that I might be an asymptomatic carrier, pass it to my wife, pass it to an older person in the, the building I live in. Like, you know, like there's there's so many things that have to be in consideration of this. And I think the MBA, they are being socially progressive. Adam Silver has said, we can't make decision on this. We have to see where we are like two weeks from now, because for the world could change in two weeks. There could suddenly be mass testing. And, you know, like you almost have to have faith in the better part of humanity that we have all the world's greatest thinkers, scientists, medical experts focusing their research instead of their separate pockets of research, focusing their research on finding a cure. This is almost we see it. We, this is almost humanity at its best. And we also see humanity at its worst by people flocking to beaches and everything. So until there is widespread testing available, I think until that curve starts flattening and we have a better idea as a society of what the restrictions are, what we can and we cannot do. And I think the NBA has been pretty clear that they're not going to return unless there is widespread testing for the public or the NBA could even do something like if they're buying their tests from a private lab that has nothing to do with the average citizen, they could buy, I think I saw something like they would need 15,000 tests. So they could buy 15,000 tests and do something altruistic where they donate 100,000 tests to the public. I'm, I'm Obviously, I'm spending someone else's money, so that might not be the best idea. But I think as long as there's something altruistic with it, but if, if, if our primary motivation is coming from politicians telling us we need to restart the economy, while the medical experts are saying, no, 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 something's wrong. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, you touched on a lot of good points there. But, you know, when it comes to the NBA, they were pretty much the first to to act when it comes to this. And this is this is not just in sports and pretty much every entity that you can think of in North America. Like they pretty much set the tone and the standard as how to react and how to evaluate this. Like you look at the NFL and the NFL has always been some money hungry entity that just doesn't care about anything but the bottom line they, they it's it's proof in the sport itself they don't care about the players they just care about making money i told i it, it comes with the territory i guess yes they did a virtual draft yes it was cool to have some sort of live sports back again and no one was in any real danger so that i'm appreciative of that but they're pretty much headstrong and be like no we're gonna start the season on time no we're gonna we're gonna play out the season as scheduled MLB canceled their season late. In fact, um, the Toronto Blue Jays had a spring training game the day after the NBA called the season off. And this is, you know, in the midst of every other sports entity still calling their respective seasons. So you got to give credit to Adam Silver and the NBA for being able to step up in this type of situation and to have the, the presence of mind to say, look, it would be, and you know, maybe it is PR. 
Maybe it is a matter of PR. I would like to think it's not, but this, again, it's a business. So maybe he's thinking it's bad PR if we move forward and test our players on the regular while there's not enough public testing out there. It's probably a little bit of both. Yeah, you hope that it's an altruistic thought, but there probably is an element of PR, bad PR to it. Um, and then you have an entity like the NFL who probably doesn't care about the bad That's PR. What I'm they, they're just like full steam ahead. But if you think about all the four major sports, the NBA has the least amount of hurdles to clear just from a simple logistical standpoint of there's only, what, 15 players on an NBA team? How many players are on an NFL team? Like 40 plus? Yes. How many players are on a major league team? How many players are on a hockey team, right? The the, the NBA just has less personnel in terms of players and and it opens up interesting discussions like say they do this bubble concept whether in disney world in florida or las vegas in the in the hotels there like you and they do have this like they're they're taking temperatures they're testing they're they're making sure everyone's on on point and then you talked about asymptomatic carriers what if you're like greg popovich and you're 71 years old and you're coaching like how do those things get into effect? Because the older population is more susceptible to the negative consequences of um, the coronavirus, right? And there's such a thing as a false positive test, a false negative test, right? What if it's the NBA Finals, Lakers, Raptors, LeBron gets a, uh, a false positive and he has to sit out and the, you know what I mean? Like, right. And he's not in the finals anymore and because he has to be quarantined for 14 days. Like what happens at that point, right? And that then – a week later, they find they test him again. Oh, that was a false positive. You can play. So there, there's so many. It's not just clear cut like, oh, you're in a test doesn't mean like you're not going to get it. It just means I te- like I, can I don't test have it. Right, then. I could test you right now, Adam. You're negative. And then as soon as the test and I cough on you and yes. now you have it. Right? Yes. Yes. That doesn't mean like I think there's a there's a segment of the population that mistakes getting a test with being cured for it. Right. That's not the case. We're just testing you at this given moment. You don't have it. If you if I was tested and I'm testing you, we both don't have it. You're good. And if you're self-quarantined, you're in a bubble. Everyone in here doesn't have it. You're good. But you could also be asymptomatic. You could get a false negative, which means you have it. But for some reason, the, the test wasn't able to deter, to determine that you had it. And then you go about you spread it. And the next thing you know, like half the league has it. Right. And so there's so many variables that have to be considered. And this must be like such a, like, I like, I have no idea. Like if I was the decision maker, I have no idea what I would do. So I don't envy the position of Adam Silver, right? Like we just talked about like how it would restart. And then we talked about all the complications with it. So how do you do this with a clean conscience, conscious? Yeah. I can't even speak yeah. a clean conscience. Well, this may be all for naught because, you know, this I want to put a bow on this by you know, acknowledging what the score has recently reported. Now, I don't necessarily think the score is a, a, an impermeable source here. Like, they, they definitely do have their flaws. This isn't Woj speaking, but I the, they're more often than not, they're, they're correct in their reporting. They're very careful with what they report. They don't put out clickbait and bullshit, I think, but... They reported that NBA executives are calling for the season to be canceled. However, shortly after, LeBron James tweeted out saying there is absolutely no truth to this. He did not hear this at all. I feel like his finger is a little bit more on the pulse as to what NBA executives are discussing than the score. So I tend to believe him that it's not on the table. 
But again, I do think it's at least being discussed. So maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, like what's the motivation of like these executives and agents who are saying that it's um, that they want the season canceled? And then you had um, a contradictory reporting where people were saying I, all the executives and agents and GMs I talked to said that their energy is focused on how do we start the season. Right. So there was already conflicting reports about that. And, and what, did, what what deems someone an executive? Are we talking about uh, the assistant to the assistant general manager? <laughs> like how like out of all the hundreds of executives in the NBA, how many did they talk to one or two like? You know, like, who knows, maybe they talked to 10 people and he wanted to, the author, I'm not saying that's the case, he wanted to write a story that they shut down. So I got eight guys telling me, uh, no, we're going to start and I got two guys telling me, so you know what, that fits my slant better, right? So let me, let me write that. So it's like, this is all conjecture, this is all speculation. So I, I don't. I don't, I don't, A, I don't buy that. I, I personally don't buy it because follow the money. This is a business. The right. business wants to make money and they're not just going to say, sorry, um, you know, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not starting this season. And as much as like these players are millionaires and these owners are billionaires, a lot of these, some of these owners, this is their primary source of income. Like the Houston Rockets owner, he has like some restaurants and stuff he owns, but he put all his money into this franchise and, and now it's, it's not operating at capacity. And he was already, um, you know what I mean? So it's like these guys, like they're just cause they're billionaires. Like they have to make money. They have employees that report to them that are reliant to them on their income, whether that's concession stands people, whether that's, um, office people who work in the, like the administrative side, whether that's the executives themselves, like there's so many people they employ that we can't just say, Oh, well screw that. Like there's so many considerations that go into this and no decision is going to be made from an altruistic sense where it's like, you know what? I'm going to leave that money. I'm never going to get it back. That's okay. That's not going to happen. So you have to think about this as a business. And the business side is how do we get the money? And the question is, will some leagues listen to the health experts or will some leagues listen to the politicians? Well, in whatever event, this news is always ever evolving. It changes pretty much on the daily basis. They were discussing, as you mentioned, Vegas in a bubble. They discussed uh Florida at Disney World or and how they're going to bubble that out if now businesses are back open up in Florida. It's a little bit more difficult. You had Fauci coming out saying that he doesn't understand how this is going to be practical and really pragmatic in that respect. Um, so it, we'll see. Like, am I hopeful that an NBA season will return for my entertainment? Of course. Like, I... This I love the Raptors. Like <laughs> right now, I kind of need it. I would love to see a Raptors game right now that's live, even if it's in front of no fans, just looking like a scrimmage. I'll, I'll watch it. But I exactly want, I want players to be safe. I want personnel to be safe. So we'll see. Yeah, what, and yeah. and I just uh, to put a bow on this section. Like I, I I saw this on Twitter somewhere, so I I don't remember who said it, but I thought it was very appropriate. Like. You know, like when you would watch like a disaster movie on TV and you have the scientists saying, no, this is going to happen. And you got people saying, oh, shut up, you your lab coat <laughs> and your Bunsen burner. And you're like watching the disaster movie and you're like, oh, thank God that wouldn't happen in real life. But we're living a real life disaster movie where um, and you were saying Dr. Fauci says, I don't know how this is possible. And the conflict comes not from whether he's right or wrong. The conflict comes because I, we don't want him to be right. 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 So wanting somebody to be right or wrong is different than actually somebody being right or wrong. 
it very much conflicts with people's interests and they have to understand that we have to operate facts over feelings when it comes to this and the facts are leading towards maybe this isn't a good idea i'm hopeful that you know maybe quicker and sooner rather than later they'll figure it out but i'm not a scientist i don't work in that field i'm sure it takes a lot more time than i can appreciate so i'm gonna you know lean towards the experts on here i don't know what i'm talking about when it comes to that so that hasn't stopped other people no 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 of course it won't but I, I, I look. I, I'm a self-acknowledged idiot. So, like when it comes to science, I, I'm leaning towards I know nothing. So, um, with that, we'll take a, another break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about playoff satisfaction roulette. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Peter, on lifeinrepeat.com, you just published uh, a, a, a great piece, a great, a great column uh, discussing various uh, playoff scenarios and what would satisfy people more. Now, I was lucky enough to be part of this, and I am very much gracious towards you uh, to allow me to put my two cents in uh, with a bunch of great writers within that column. Um, we have you, myself, Hunter Surplus, Alex Marshall, and Jade um, giving their uh, different scenarios as to who would be more satisfactory to face. Um, I'm going to let you take the floor. What made you want to do this? What What was the inspiration towards it? And uh, what did you think of the piece? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, what I guess I was – because I, I, it, it's so it's, – there's no games happening right now, so it's – it's it's hard. There's nothing to really talk about. And if the league is going to resume at a certain point, it, it'd be fun to get back into that frame of mind of a more normal time of thinking of the playoffs. And and one of the things I, I miss the most, besides, like you said, watching the games and like emotionally investing in a team is while watching those games, like being on Twitter and interacting with the Raptors Twitter community, like that that's so much a part of the enjoyment of watching it live and and there's there's people um like like you and I in the Raptors independent media who are very smart and very on top of things and are some of my favorite follows so i had this idea i said well like let me hit up five of my favorite members of the Raptors independent media to get their thoughts on which team come playoff time they would like to see the Raptors go up against and not just go up against because just playing a team in, in the playoffs isn't fun, right? We want to see who, and the team they would play and eliminate because just playing a team isn't satisfactory enough. Vanquishing them and enjoying the tears of their fan bases oh, yeah. is, where, is where the real happiness comes from. So I, I reached out to five people smarter than me when it comes to this stuff. We got you, Adam, writing about Boston. We couldn't do this column and have the Celtics in there without you writing about the Celtics, right? Um, like you said, we I reached out to Hunter uh, at Raptors Rapture, and um, you should check out his work and his podcast. And he chose the Milwaukee Bucks. And then I reached out to fellow Life and Repeat contributors, Alex Inters and uh, Marshall Vick, and they they pick their teams. And then I reached out to Jay Johnson of Belly Up Sports, and she was more than happy to contribute. So it was kind of 
artificially creating that Raptors Twitter community all in one piece. So for the people who are like me who missed hearing the, the, everyone's takes and opinions and stuff, and let's start thinking about a normal time because playoffs could be here a month or two from now, and it's, we got to reorient our brains to that. So I thought it'd be a fun exercise, and I was so glad that you guys all got to be part of it and decided to be part of it because, you know, like these are the people I miss interacting with on Twitter. It should be noted that the the possible playoff scenarios that we wrote about, respectively, um, didn't necessarily revolve around the East. There are two scenarios in which revolved around a possible NBA Finals, uh, with Jade writing about the Lakers and Marshall writing about the Clippers. Um, for me, this was a very interesting read. Obviously, uh, I appreciate the fact that you you chose me to write about you know my my possible scenario of the Celtics and the Raptors facing off, in which when it comes to how the playoff bracket looks right now, it's possible. Like it's in more, it's pop. It's pretty probable that that would happen. Yeah, um, it would. It would have happened. Like, yeah, yeah. Bar, like some major injury. But I'll let you, I want to do that. But I also was curious and I don't mean to interrupt you. Sure. Um, who after Boston is the what? team you're like, mm, I'd love to eliminate them. Miami. My wow. Okay, I was kind of. I don't want to say I was surprised, but uh, when Alex picked Miami, my my eyebrows raised. I was like, "Oh, this is interesting." I wasn't expecting someone to pick them, but Alex, as usual, spot on. He nailed all the points, and I was like, "Yeah, fuck Miami, fuck Jimmy <laughs> Butler." You're right. So that's interesting. And uh, were they for similar reasons as Alex presented, or any different reasons? Uh, well, he's focused on a. a- I don't want to say a hatred, but a strong dislike towards Jimmy Butler. <laughs> and, Which is uh, natural. It's a natural feeling. Yeah, I understand, especially like given the fact that he's a, he's been a Raptor killer ever since Chicago. But um, for me, those teams are so similar. The way they match up, the way they matched up in the regular season, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think the Raptors were able to beat Miami at all this regular season in the, the handful of games they played against each other. But they match up incredibly similar. Um, the Heat go zone, Raptors go zone, Spolstra, I think, is the second best coach in the Eastern Conference behind Nick Nurse. I think Nick Nurse is a little bit more crafty, but I can't take anything away from him. Um, but I, I just think that a Miami Raptors, like, if that was boiled down to an Eastern Conference Finals, because I think the way it's, it is right now, assuming the top four seeds win their round one matchup, it would be Milwaukee versus Miami, Celtics versus Raptors. If it came down to a Raptors-Miami Eastern Conference Final, that is juicy right there. You're absolutely right. Like Playing them was like looking into a mirror, right? Both teams, they play hard. You can tell they're fully bought into what their coaches, the system they want to install. Um, and as Alex outlined in his section, both teams nailed the draft, right? You got Miami with like uh, Tyler Hero, um, unsigned like players, Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson. And then you have the Raptors who nailed the draft. Pascal Siakam, 27th pick. OG, 23rd pick. Undrafted players, Fred Van Fleet, um, Terrence Davis. They're both known for their strong management and their culture. Pat Riley versus Masai Ujiri. It would be a battle. And beating Butler is always fun. But this is one of the teams where... It would be a coin flip to me. Like, I wouldn't say we beat Miami. Like, Bam Adebayo played Siakam very well during the season. I remember I was I, I was at that game, 
And um, I was with my father-in-law, and I remember saying, like, oh, my God, Siakam can't get past BAM. Like, I got to file this away for mm. if they meet again and something to watch when they play again to see if Siakam got any more tricks in his bag. But that would be quite an epic series. And, um, I, yeah, they're both they're both stylistically very similar, so it would make for an epic series as well. I think last week, I did a solo pod last week, and I outlined possible playoff scenarios. I think I've been on record saying I lean a little bit more towards the heat in a possible playoff scenario. You heard Raptors Twitter. Get them. <laughs> Get them. Only, like, look, I know the regular season, as I mentioned about the Celtics, it's not a, a true barometer as to how to measure success in the playoffs. Really not. But um, without a Kawhi Leonard to sort of neutralize someone, a, a Raptor killer like Jimmy Butler. Um, it's going to be tough. Now, that's not to say that I don't think the Raptors could win. I just think that I, I have Jimmy Butler in high regard, and that might be a little bit of, like, remorse to not have him as a Raptor because, I, I, look, locker room issues aside and being the fact that he's been on so many teams, all that aside, on the floor, he's pretty good. Like, when it, comes, when it comes to clutch moments, he's pretty good um and he proved that with philly yeah you go back to that philly series i i I say this like the only player on philly who scared me last year was jimmy butler oh yeah like any like any other time it was like okay this is good okay jimmy's on anytime jimmy would come in he, he was not afraid of the moment um he tied the game late in game seven um he he's 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 a handful and he's been a raptors killer he's i'm sure he's He's a great player, so I'm sure he's killed a lot of teams, right? Um, there's always this perception, oh, he kills the Raptors. Well, no, he's an all-NBA player. He's, there, I'm sure a lot of fan bases feel like that too. But no, you're absolutely right. I have a healthy amount of fear and respect for Jimmy Butler. I think that the Heat uh, were undefeated this year against Milwaukee too. Now, if that's to say anything about how sneaky good the Heat could be, um, that's that's evidence in and of itself. But again, we can't use the regular season as a barometer for the playoffs. So um, I just think the matchup would be really good. And you want to talk about tense. Like, sure, that Philly series last year in the playoffs, I, I was tense. It came down to the last second. It literally did. And it was, a, it was a stressful series. I think this one would be even more stressful because, you know, you could say what you want about Philly fans. Yeah, they're loud. They're a little bit more obnoxious. Back in 2016, when we played the Heat in the in the playoffs, they proved that they could be a, a, a decent crowd. And now with Jimmy Butler on the helm and whatnot, and a, a sort of a rematch against the the Raptors, I think both of those crowds, you know, assuming that it'd be full stadium capacity with people in it, um, it, they would bring the noise for sure, and it'd be a very entertaining playoff series. Oh yeah, it would be nip and tuck. Like like I said, to me, it'd be a coin flip. We'd have home court advantage, so I'd probably hang my hat on that. And, you know, like it's it's not a series that would end in four or five games. And I, you know, like Milwaukee against Miami, like, yes, you would favor Milwaukee. But my, my like, but for all the reasons we outlined, it's it's there is a scenario where Miami finds themselves in the conference finals. Right. Um, I don't think they can pass. um they're, they're two and a half games back of Boston. So, again, I don't think they'll pass them. I'm assuming a full 82-game season. Maybe they could. Mm. A truncated season, no. So they're probably locked in. But, man, like some of the best – like like 
to a Raptors fan, the games against Miami stood out because they were like, oh, okay, they can go toe to toe with us. Oh, they're they're molded like us. This is this is interesting, right? So, I, and I think Raptors fans walked away with the respect and appreciation, and a little bit of like. They, they could beat us in a playoff series that I would go six, seven games. I, and I would just bet on the team that had home court advantage. I do think Toronto would have a better home court advantage. Um, and not many teams across the NBA does have a better home court than Toronto, but man, that would be a hell of a series stylistically. And it's even something the casual fan could jump on because they would be watching beautiful ball movement, exceptional players, players achieve going above and beyond what, their talent level should be two coaches who are probably the best in the East, if not the best in the league going at it. Like that's a juicy matchup. And for as much as I was surprised when Alex did it, as soon as I was done, I was like, why was I surprised? This is like, this is such a good pick. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed the, uh, the explanation and the write up. It, it, they were, if, if it wasn't going to be the Celtics, obviously the Raptors and the Celtics can't, if things were to stay the same right now, can't face each other in an Eastern Conference Finals matchup, which I think would be great. But if I were to take another team in an Eastern Conference Finals, we already seen Milwaukee. He's outlined that. Like, we already seen what it would be like if the Raptors faced Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals. And don't get me wrong, I would love to see that again and see the Raptors win. Right. And just give more fuel for the Giannis to Toronto. That's all he needs. Like he needs to join the NWO at that point. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, you know, it's interesting. And I don't know if this is just because we've beaten, we've been eliminating the Bucks since 2017. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of fear Miami more than Milwaukee. And I don't know if that's unfounded. I don't know if that's just the confidence of, beating them twice in the last three postseasons and knowing that we can do it. But there is an element now where I'm like, oh, man, my, there, there, there's a possibility Miami could be in the NBA Finals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then who'd have thunk it, right? Because when we outlined in the beginning of the, the season, we'll say our top four, it was always, in no particular order, Toronto, Milwaukee, Philly, and Boston. Like, Miami wasn't really on the radar as much. In fact, I was the one that said, don't sleep on Indiana when Depot comes back. So, although I did, wasn't discounting uh, Miami as a, as a good team, I just didn't think they were finals capable. But now, mm-hmm. looking at how they played this past year and the, the thorn in the side of both Milwaukee and Toronto, it's certainly on the table. Well, and because and, Hunter Surfless of Raptors Rapture, he wrote about the Bucks, and he... He kind of theorized, like, if the Raptors say, like, we do play the Bucks again, what do, do like, is it better if we beat the Bucks or if the Bucks beat us in terms of Giannis potentially choosing Toronto? What's a better narrative? Like, if we beat him and he joins us, could he do that? Or does he need to have beaten us and then he could join us? Or it's just, I don't he doesn't really care. Like what work, what works better for us as a potential Giannis landing spot? What's the better chap, the scenarios where the chapters lead up to him signing in Toronto for fans is if obviously if Toronto beats Milwaukee, because I feel like even on both fan bases in Milwaukee and Toronto, that makes the most sense when it comes to what he thinks himself, Giannis, I don't think he gives a shit. Like he just wants to win. And when free agency comes about that, he'll make the decision. Then I don't think whether or not the Raptors beat him will necessarily sway him. But I do think when it comes to, like I said, the NWO aspect, if you can't beat him, join him. 
Um, <laughs> you know, and even with KD, like with the Warriors, like if you can't beat him, just join him. And I think that obviously, obviously with the ties, the association with Masai Ujiri, that's sort of implicit. But when it comes to just on the floor aspect for fans, I've said it before. I feel like Toronto is Milwaukee's Lebronto. Like we, we just seem to be that thorn in the side of Milwaukee that prevents them from reaching that next level. So why not just do it again? Another Eastern Conference final? <laughs> Sign me up. Like I just said, like two minutes ago, you know what? I'm not really not scared of Milwaukee. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and I, I, like I said, I think it's because we've beaten them. Like, and sure, last year we can say, well, we had Kawhi and, you know, usually the team with the better player prevails. And But like this team, everyone on this team is punching above their weight class. You know what I mean? Like they have like an institutional knowledge. They have this like championship swagger that like they have they know what it takes to get there so in a moment of self-doubt if they fall down to nothing you know what been there done that let's get this right win four straight right while milwaukee they haven't done that they're they're still facing those the doubts in the back of their head um eric bledsoe is kind of going through what lowry went through right mm. oh he can't uh, can't play he underperforms in the playoffs if if Bloodsoe doesn't play well, Milwaukee's going to have a short exit. Like we've dealt with that narrative, right? But it's fun to be on the the other end of it, where it's like we're we're sort of their obstacle. And I genuinely wonder if Bucks fans view us that way because they must have an inherent fear of Norman Powell. Oh yeah, they must have a, a fear of Fred Van Fleet and what he did in the latter half of that series. Like for some like. I, like I, I respect that Giannis probably back-to-back MVP, one of the best defensive players in the in the league, but I, I'm not ruling it. I'm not ruling it out. And for all we know, if the playoffs start, they sweep, and I'll look stupid. But until Milwaukee beats us, I, I will have a confidence that we can beat them. And now I know what it's like to be a Cavs fan as LeBron was uh, eliminating <laughs> us. So mind you, it's only been twice. I feel like you got to do it three times to truly, to truly get that like hold on the other fan base. Well, this would be the third. Right? Exactly. And, and that's why I think this is uh, a little bit more poetic. So hats off to Hunter. I think he did a great job with the write-up. Um, you know, again, we don't have a Kawhi Leonard on this team and you – you in your write up about the Philly series, we can get to that next. But you did say say that m- more often than not, the team with the better player usually prevails. Now that's not a foolproof formula; it doesn't mean every time this is going to happen. But more often than not, it does, and I ascribe to the same sort of philosophy as well. Um, to me, I don't think it's controversial to say that in a, in a situation with the Raptors versus the Bucks, Giannis is the best player on the court. But in that situation, Toronto has the best coach on the floor which i think means they have the best team on the floor and which is why i think in that aspect we're not scared i think that is the reason why so in this sort of situation it does sort of trump the best player argument because yeah Giannis is a generational talent but our coach is a little bit more crafty exactly and Giannis, he's a generational talent he's still young but there's always going to be that doubt until you actually do it and you grab it and you put the championship belt around your waist, right? Like you're almost, once you've win, you sort of lose that fear of failing. You know what I mean? Like you've already won, your career is validated. Not that you should be complacent, but you, you don't have that ultimate fear of like, oh no, if I, 
if I lose again, they're going to say my jump shot, I need to give a three-pointer. They're going to say I can't do it. Like I got all the MVPs, but no uh, finals appearances. Like that that's human. Like to pretend these players aren't human and don't think like that is is foolish, right? The Raptors, on the other hand, they've like they like their run to the playoffs after Orlando was an all timer. Mm-hmm. Philly, Milwaukee on the road, Golden State, a dynasty. Like there's no like it's, it's probably one of the hardest playoff paths since I've been watching basketball. I'm not saying it's the hardest because I would need to do the work on that. But, you know, you think of some of LeBron's paths. Okay, yeah, you had to beat, like, you know what I mean? Like, you start looking at those teams and it's like, well, they were good, but they weren't great. You know what I mean? Like, this was a different East last year. Like, like I don't want to, like, dispel, like, because getting to the finals is incredibly hard. But I, I guarantee you, if you stack them all up, this is probably in the top five of most difficult paths to a championship. For sure. And, you know, I, let's let's acknowledge that, you know, a, a lot of people right now, because they're bored, want to discredit the Raptors championship. I guess that's just what you do when you're bored and you're not a Raptors fan. I, I'm, yeah, I'm tired sorry. of defending it. No, you know, I'm just tired of it. No, there's 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 no like I, I feel zero percent urge to defend it, because once you start defending it, you're, you're, you're kind of giving in saying that maybe there is a truth to it. Like there's always going to be idiots um, like laser dick four five nine <laughs> saying, like, why am I putting energy into what this loser thinks? Right. Like I don't see the people that I respect online whether that's members of the independent media whether that's like zach lowe whether that's uh you know like jackie mcmullen whether it's like it's anyone like that's that tier no one is saying that right so there's always going to be some idiot that's going to try to devalue what you've accomplished and that's just not in like your fandom that's like in your everyday life whether it's you know like someone whatever there's, there's always going to be people that try to devalue what you accomplish and the moment you start defending it you've already given in to them so like, I just keep coming back to, like, it sucks to be you. Like, you know, like, is it Kevin Durant was injured. So what are we supposed to do? Wait a year? Right. Like, part of being, part of making the finals, it's a war of attrition. Who can survive that war of attrition? Kevin Durant couldn't. That's a knock on him. You know what I mean? Like, and also, let's let's put this into perspective. KD, he got injured, what, in in the second round? Yes. Last year? So, Let's pretend on any other team, if you lose someone like KD in the playoffs, your team's eliminated. If we lost Kawhi to injury along the way against Philly, maybe we don't get by Philly. I don't think we'd get by Milwaukee, and we sure as hell wouldn't have beat the Warriors if we didn't have Kawhi, right? Mm -hmm. But guess what? Kawhi was there playing on one leg. So it's, it's like, you know, like the best ability is availability. Kevin Durant couldn't do that. He couldn't fulfill the, the the physical obligation of playing in the finals. And that's not our fault. Are we? And I think um, Ryan Grossman had a – I saw you had a, a tweet yesterday that I thought was very interesting. Like, so are we going to assume KD at full health? Are we going to assume Kawhi, his leg isn't banged up? You know, like there's so many things that go into this that at the moment you start going down this road and start like validating these people's thoughts, like I don't have time for that. Like I'd rather pop on my Raptors championship <laughs> DVD and relive it. Like people can say whatever they want. And Adam, what the hell do you think people were going to say about any team that wins the finals during this bubble playoff system, right? Oh, or, yeah. if a, or if a player has to miss a bunch of like two weeks because they tested positive for coronavirus, like 
this is what people do. They like to devalue other people. So I just say, F it. Let's look at our ring. Raise it high. I don't care. I, the whole Golden State team could have got injured. I'm, I'm celebrating the title just the same. Of course. Of course. Like it, let's assume Kawhi has both legs. Let's assume Kyle Lowry doesn't have an injured thumb. Let's assume OG Ananobi is playing. Like, come on. Like, let, you can't just cherry pick and say KD. Let's, let's assume all health or as was. Like, that's it, just the way I look at it. Exactly. And if for some reason the playoffs start and we play Milwaukee and Siakam sprains his ankle and can't play, yeah, I'm going to say you guys beat us without Siakam, of course. <laughs> well, yeah, that's different. That's different. That's different. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it doesn't really count. Siakam wasn't there, guys. No, no. That's just, <laughs> come on. Come on, no, that's a totally different situation. Um, <laughs> let's let's keep it rolling. Let's let's touch on your write up with Philly, and you know, after reading uh, this, I have to say, like, I am not fucking scared of them. No, God, Adam, Adam, what my biggest NBA pet peeve, like beyond a doubt, I was going to write about the Seventy Sixers, like nothing, and you actually hear it from respected pundits saying, "Oh, they were a missed buzzer beater away from the finals." It's like what? Yeah. That's a lot of step skipping. You were a miss. They were a missed Kawhi buzzer beater away from playing overtime. That's it. If they could get by us, then you go on the road to Milwaukee to play Giannis and none and and beat in Simmons as good as they are. They're not as good as Giannis. So in me, to me, it's 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 so simple. If, if Philly eliminates us, Milwaukee is in the finals. That that's just where it goes. But and another thing that annoys me to no end is Philly has the sixth best record in the East. And they're written about as if they have the there's so many content about Philly this, Ben Simmons this, Joel Embiid that, Philly that. They're written about as if they're a dynasty, as if they have the best record in the East. And I take issue with that because the people who do the writing, my view of them, your job is to document the history of the season. So if people 20 years from now find your articles, you're talking about the best teams. You're not just talking about the teams with the larger markets that'll get you your clickbait. And that's where Philly falls, unfortunately. The, the volume of words written about them is not commiserate with the number of wins they have. And that annoys me to know and that it's not a proper documentation of the 2019 season and there's always this cloud above the Raptors yeah they're doing well but there's no Kawhi let's see them do it in the playoffs how amazing would it be to play Philly again eliminate them without Kawhi and finally put to bed that narrative of oh we were a missed shot away from making the finals to me that is, I couldn't think of a better narrative of all the teams, and that includes the Clippers. So that was my personal choice. And I'll also say this. Um, I, was, I, was, I was fortunate enough to be in the building game seven. I was like 10 or so rows behind the basket when Kawhi's shot went in. And I remember that game seven, and I remember chatting with the people around me. And any time Ben Simmons left the game, we were like, oh, God, no, Philly's going to go on a run now. And anytime Ben Simmons went in the game, there was a segment of smart fans in the crowd who were applauding because they recognized that Philly is this because Ben Simmons is a number one pick. Philly is going to have to force feed the offense, put him in uncomfortable spots because they have to justify that he's the number one pick. And in order to do that and that sorry, and that justification of putting him in there is what ultimately cost them. Right. Like I was not scared of Ben Simmons at all. And I have zero fear of him. It makes you wonder, like, you look at the standings right now. This is a team that we, well, I, I'll admit, I had as a top two with Milwaukee before 
the season started. All right. They're in sixth place. They're 14 games behind the Bucks. All right. 14. And if you want to be like, you know, cherry picking about things, fine. They still have the same record as the Indiana Pacers. They're 39 and 26. Okay. Like, this isn't a team that, you know, on paper you think would be a six seed. And let's not discredit the Raptors here. The Raptors have been dealing or had been dealing with so many injuries. I know it feels like so long ago, but even at the conclusion of that final game, they still didn't have a fully healthy squad, right? They still didn't have it. So that being said, like the Raptors overcame so much with so much less in terms of prevalent bodies on the floor. Patrick McCaw started a handful of games, and I don't want to open up that can of, can of worms. Adam, don't start with your Patrick McCall. No. I'm not ready for it right I'm sorry. Now. <laughs> when it comes to the comparison against Philly, like you look at the depleted roster that the Raptors had to was dealing with more often than not compared to what Philly had to deal with, you would think that Philly would be up ahead of them. The, 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 the order of standings would be reversed. No, I'm not scared of Philly. Who's scoring for that team? Who's no. in clutch situation? Tobias Harris? I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. No, I've, you, you, you've hit the nail on the head. There's no one on that team that scares me. We played Philly last year. Embiid missed some of those games and they really didn't say what it was, but you could kind of read between the lines that it was poor conditioning. Yes. And he's been open, not necessarily open, but there's been reports about how he is back, how he is behind the scenes and doesn't really take his conditioning seriously. And a book I would recommend is Tanking to the Top by um, Yaron Weitzman. And he talks about this, how behind the scenes, the, the, the whole Philly personnel is just like, why isn't this guy working out? Why doesn't he care about winning? And then it goes to Ben Simmons. Why doesn't this guy care about shooting the three-pointer, helping his teammates? Like, and people think, oh, they're still young. Like, no, Joel Embiid is like 26, 27. He mm. is who he is at this point. And also, I'd like to go back to the 2016 draft. Siakam, the 27th pick. Adam, if we did a redraft right now, Siakam goes number one overall over players like Simmons, Ingram, Jalen Brown, Buddy Heald, Jamal Murray, Karis LeVert, DeJounte Murray, Malcolm Brogdon, DeMontis Sabonis. The 27th pick of 2016 is the number one pick if we did a redraft today. Tell me I'm wrong. You're not. 100%. 100% correct. Perfect. <laughs> I have nothing more to add. Like, it's yes, 100%. Exactly. So... You know, like Philly, and you know what would piss all of Raptors Twitter off? We just know that all the pundits on ESPN would still pick Philly over mm-hmm. us, and then we would vanquish them in like five or six games. So that's the one that I picked that I want to see the most. Give me Philly, and let's whoop their ass. I love it. I love it. And, you know, again, I don't take anything away from that crowd. Yes, they're obnoxious, but they do bring the volume. But still, like, Toronto has a way of silencing crowds with their their play and their never-say-die attitude. And this, again, who's scoring for Philly? Who's going to be the X factor for Philly? Because I'm telling you right now, when it comes to Toronto, you have a handful of guys, right? You have Siakam to step it up. You have Kyle Lowry to step it up. You have Mark Saul to step it up against Embiid, like shut him down. And you also have Fred Van Vliet, the way he was playing, step it up. And, and you have Serge Ibaka with how well he was playing in the regular season. You have and so many other forget. variables. Mr. Norman Powell, who 
discovered his basketball powers as the season was winding down, averaging close to 20 points a game, becoming everything we thought. We're just better balanced, man. Like in terms of like the, the teams that like in the Eastern Conference that instill fear in me, Philly is way at the bottom. I'm not even thinking about them. Same. Yeah. OG and Anobi too. He was turning it on towards the OG, end of this too. Like this team, this team is phenomenal, man. It's deep. It's deep. Exactly. All right, we have uh, we have three more teams I want to hit on, but first let me take our final break, and when we come back, we'll do just that. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Let's shift over to the West before we get to the last matchup of the East. Let's talk about Marshall's pick of the Clippers because I do think this this has some obvious ties with Kawhi Leonard and whatnot. Um, he had to remind me in his post that oh yeah, Patrick Patterson plays for the Clippers, <laughs> and he you know he's the he's someone that's been spitting a little bit of venom when it comes to the Toronto Raptors. I don't know why, and seemingly he's the one that hasn't been celebrated when it comes to returns to the Raptors. Even so much, I think Lou Williams got some sort of video package too when the Raptors were doing like the the recall of players um Patrick Patterson's been left off the list he's kind of a nobody he hasn't been proving his salt (laughs) uh but let's talk about the obvious here Kawhi Leonard with the Clippers versus the Toronto Raptors in the finals the result look I'm gonna lean Clippers on this I I, I just will I know Marshall was like how cool would it be Twitter get out of here How cool would it be if, you know, Kawhi did have to look at Kyle Lowry raising the Larry OB again, seeing Fred Van Vliet get all the finals MVP <laughs> votes. I love that. I love it. I oh, love the that, spirit. That line made me laugh. And Fred Van Vliet gets all the oh. finals MVP votes. That was a great. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's like, it's, it's too perfect. Mm. Like, how amazing, like, would it be? to play the Clippers in the finals and beat them. Like, I don't even know what people on like NBA pundits would write about. Like a, it would, it would validate the the 2019 title even more a then B we'd be back to back champs. And that means Siakam has got two titles and he's still yet to hit his prime. Like that's the thing. Like we were so, we so loved the 2019 title that, now it's like, you know, I want to see Siakam build that all-time resume. I yeah. want to see him have a handful of these guys, right? And then, like, as Marshall outlined, OG guarding uh, Paul George, Siakam and Kawhi, you know those two would be locked into one another. Lowry versus Beverly, two irritants going at it. Like, Raptors Twitter would hate Patrick Beverly in a playoff series. Clippers Twitter would hate Kyle Lowry in a playoff series. And then, like Marshall said, Ibaka versus Harrell. I give it by the third or fourth game before one of them throws a punch at each other. Oh, yeah. But, like, if with Lowry, Siakam, and company lifting a title over Kawhi, like, oh, my God. Like, I think we'd all have to retire as Raptors fans. Like, it would be like I'm putting up my my feet. I'm going to hang my life and repeat T-shirt in the Raptors. I'm good, man. <laughs> You know, when it comes to a situation like this, it does make me think of something you said uh, a little bit ago about, you know, what would the NBA title, if they resumed the season, how are people going to credit this NBA title win to whoever, right? Whoever wins, like it was a weird season. Is it really a, a real victory because the players didn't have to go through the same sort of grind and whatnot? 
there's something special if this were to happen and both teams are on full health and the Raptors were able to do it. I don't care about a work stoppage. I don't care about a, a pause in the season. To me, that's more impressive. Like, you have a fully rested, fully healthy team. Obviously, there's, you know, a couple, three rounds before that, but still, you're fully rested in terms of the totality of a regular season. They're fresh, right? To me, if the Raptors were able to beat the Clippers in that, that's even more impressive if they were able to do it gassed. Yeah, and if any title, we're talking about the pinnacle of the sport. We're not talking about me and Adam playing basketball, right? <laughs> like, whoever wins, who cares? We're talking about the 400 greatest basketball athletes in the world. I don't care if there's like a stop in the middle. Winning a title is hard. And it would only be perfect for Raptors to win a coronavirus championship because we love feeling that underdog heat. We love hearing people say you didn't deserve it. Like that's part of our DNA that we know we do like any team that wins. And this is the thing. You can't say, oh, they won because it was a truncated season. All 30 teams or all the playoff teams are playing by the same parameters, right? right? Right. It's all equal. It's not like, okay, you get to play in front of your fans. You play at a neutral site. Um, you've had like two weeks of training. You've had 10 days of training. It will all be equal. That's the thing. Whether it's a strike-shortened season, all the 30 teams have had the same equal opportunity to raise the trophy. So I don't even care who wins, whether I like in the sense of like, I will acknowledge them as the champion. I'm not going to put any Astra. I never do any of that because like, as Jade mentions in her piece about the Lakers, every single title you could pinpoint and say, luck, this was luck. And this is why they won every single title. You could point to that, but that's the point. You do need luck along the way without luck. Like not like I always say, and it's not necessarily luck. Like, oh my God, look at my lucky faith. It's luck is the <laughs> residue. Luck is the residue of hard work. Was Kawhi's shot lucky? Maybe, but I also bet you Kawhi works on that kind of stuff. Kawhi's right. also one of the one or two best players in the league, so he should hit a shot like that. Luck is the residue of hard work. You don't see a team like the Charlotte Hornets lucking their way into an NBA Finals. It's got to be a really good team. Yes. Yeah, and you know, I, I agree with you. I can't discredit any team no matter what the the situation is, especially when it does affect every team, in this case, every all 16 playoff teams. Like well, everyone's unless, dealing. of course, it's Lowry rolls an ankle, and then we're like, okay, you only beat us because Kyle Lowry was well, out. Yeah, no, that's different. Like... That's different. <laughs> that's totally, that's different. No, that's totally, yeah. No, come on. Like, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I, 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 I shouldn't even have said that. I'm wasting the listener's time by stating the obvious. No, subjectively different. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> um, you touched on Jade. Let's move over to across the way for the Lakers. Um, I like how like she she acknowledged that the the previous aforementioned teams minus Boston were obviously on the radar of teams to to be juicy for a playoff matchup, but she does acknowledge that, and I I tend to agree that one of if not the best regular season victories that the Raptors had was in L.A. against the Lakers with their backs against the wall. Without I want to say it wasn't with Ibaka and Kyle Lowry. It was fresh off Ibaka and Lowry getting injured on that West Coast trip. Yeah. And the, the temperature of people like you, me, Jade, and people who contribute in Raptors Twitter was, uh-oh, our season's in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. And this was where the bench became the bench because before that, they were a question mark. They were a weakness. And that's the beauty of a season. Days go 
by, weeks go by, months go by, and suddenly we went from having the worst bench in the NBA to having like, you just listed off how deep we are. We weren't saying that at the beginning of the season. And that was, and I, Jade was great to remind everybody of that particular game. We walked into LA. We walked in there without Lowry, without Ibaka, and we beat the Lakers. We didn't just beat them. We thumped them. We sent a message. And from that point forward, I think the season kind of spun and the Raptors became what they were. It created a confidence. So throughout the course of a season, it's very easy to forget the steps that led you to where we are. But it's important to remember those early season moments because those early season moments are what made this team. And I've always been a proponent of anytime you and I do a beginning of the season podcast, I always say I love going on a West Coast trip early. early. Yeah. It creates team chemistry. It allow you you get to see how people how players who might be untested, how they perform in sort of a hostile environment, consecutive days in a row, dealing with going travel and all that, not being around their usual people they're around, creating team bonding. And the Raptors, they always kind of have that West Coast trip at the beginning, and I'm always a fan of that. And good for Jade for reminding everyone, because to me, that was their biggest W of the season. Yeah, this and obviously people like to point out the, the Mavericks win. The 30 point comeback. And I agree. Like, those are the two games that stick out to me the most when it comes to regular season victories. Um, I think what's great about the Mavericks game is that that sort of turned up the volume when it came to the legend of Kyle Lowry as the greatest Raptor of all time in, in the minds of some Raptors fans. Um, so for me, it's just like with that performance, it was obviously it's a team performance, but with that, that sort of added fuel to the fire of Kyle Lowry's lore in Raptors history. Whereas this victory against the Lakers, this was the ultimate team victory that every Raptors fan can look back on and say, it was this game that started that confidence, right? Like obviously people have confidence in the team moving at the jump of the season. You and I, I think you said, how many wins did you say that they were going to get this, this season? Was it 48, 49? Damn it, Adam. I was off. I, I think I said like yeah between forty eight and fifty two. Okay, yeah, it was it was somewhere in it was that just, breaks my two year streak of being like in the right area. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> you never know. Maybe they. Why drop did you like, have to bring that up, Adam? <laughs> I said fifty five, and people were like, "Wow, fifty five. I'm like, "No, I think fifty five is on the table." But still, like at, in the beginning of the year, we had, or at least I had, Milwaukee and Philly ahead, right? And people were amping up the the Boston Celtics and. You know, not sleeping on the Indiana Pacers. But for me, this game, of course I walked into it thinking, like, oh, man, we're fucked. Like, this is the first oh, yeah. night, the first night of a back-to-back, and we had to play the Clippers. Like, mm. I, I, I remember, like, I think the game before where Lowry and Ibaka got injured, I might be 98% right here. Uh, that's when Lowry, they both got injured in the same game. And I remember I was out at a bar watching with um, family that was visiting, and I was just, like, devastated. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, our season is done. How long is Lowry out? How long is Ibaka out? Like, it's done. And that's why it's important to remember these points. Like, now it's so easy to say, oh, we're the second best in the East, third best. But no, you have to remember the story of the season. And the story starts back in October. Well, the, this injuries happened in November. And I still remember. And then that, that Sunday night game, it was a 9 o'clock game against the Lakers. Mm -hmm. I had the same visiting family members. I invited them over. Um, I said, hey, do you guys want to come watch the Lakers game? Lakers are thumping them. 
it looks like, oh my God. And then suddenly we destroy, we, we win. And I, I, I remember that victory to this day. And that was the turning point of the season where it realized, okay, we're going to be a lot friskier than people thought. Oh yeah. Like that. Look, this is the game I look back on. I'd be like, this is the start of me having overwhelming confidence in this team. Like this is the game that I look back on and say, okay, now we can beat anybody. Like, I will never count this team out. Even if there's two minutes to go down 16, they can do it. I, I will never count this team out because they have so much heart, so much determination. And let's not forget, this is a time when Marcus Gasol was playing like eight months straight. Like he, <laughs> like, he was gassed, but still we win this game. Like, this is a, a performance that we did a watch along a couple weeks back on this. If you want to dig back in the archives and listen, we covered the whole game. Like, I, I revisited the narratives when it comes to this game. The victory and the sense of victory coming out of this game was not talked about enough. And, you know, correlating this to a possible finals, I think it's juicy. Like, I don't think it's as, you know, clear-cut that I would lean, like, how I was leaning towards the Clippers. This is a toss-up for me. It really is. And, like, I, I think this would be a very satisfactory uh, in terms of winning this series because it would end the LeBronto narrative. It would, and that's the part, right? LeBron eliminated us three years in a row, and that's what I keep coming back to. It takes that third before it starts, like, grading on you, where you're like, oh. It's like if, you, if you've if you been watching The Last Dance, it was the Pistons three times mm -hmm. to Jordan, right? Like, I think three is that magic number where it becomes sort of like this – Oh, and it's not just like how LeBron beat us. We've covered it, Adam. We've done at the end of the 2018 season, we did our therapy session that I'm scared to even go back and listen to because <laughs> we had so much high hopes and LeBron like crushed us that for once and for all, I'd love to see LeBron go up against this championship swagger, this championship confidence Toronto Raptors team. And if we beat LeBron, like it, it, it got me thinking. Who would I rather see them beat in the finals? The Lakers or the, if, if obviously in a best case scenario where we, we obviously triumph, um, the late, like you would think the overwhelming inclination would be, I'd like to see them beat the Clippers. Right. But it's like, I have no ill will towards Kawhi. I got ill will towards LeBron for um, making me question why I'm even watching basketball and emotionally investing in a team in the first place. Right. How great would it be to put a end to the LeBron narrative? But also on the flip side, if LeBron stops us again, again, I'm I'm logging out. I'm deleting my website. I'm gone from Twitter. <laughs> All of a sudden, you see Peter in a in a bunch of purple and gold attire. Be like, oh, I guess I'm oh, like no. I, I'd be despondent. I'd have I'd be like Tom Hanks in Castaway. I'd have like mm. a full beard, having bathed, questioning everything. <laughs> Uh, we would definitely be in need of another therapy session. But yeah, yeah, I do think that would be juicy. Um, Lastly, what I think would be juicy, I think Raptors fans are clamoring for it. I wrote about it. Series against the Boston Celtics. This is long overdue. Like, so long overdue. And I got to tell you guys, as I mentioned in the article, I live in the region. This does not mean nearly as much to Celtics fans as it would to Raptors fans. It just doesn't. Like, Celtics are still stuck on, you know, Celtics in Milwaukee or Celtics in Lakers if it got down to that. They don't care about the Raptors. They just don't. And again, they Celtics fans like to give 
evidence that's not based off of stats or numbers as to why the Celtics are better than the Raptors, in which I just say, okay, cool story, bro, and kind of walk away because it's not worth my time. Much like LaserDick821 on Twitter or whatever. Like I hate that guy. Yeah, fuck that guy. It's just, it's just not worth my time. Um, but Raptors would have home court advantage. Raptors and Celtics both have great crowds. I, I, I will give Boston credit when it comes to the, the volume of their, their crowd. They're good. But home court advantage and championship experience, I think, is what's going to get the Raptors by this one. The Celtics just don't have it. And I'm looking at you, Kemba Walker. You're the guy there. You don't have it. And Jason Tatum, you don't have it either. So this is why I'm giving the edge to the Raptors. This is the juicy matchup. And you're right. People in Boston aren't really thinking of it in the of it as in the same terms as we are and my wife's american has family spread out and a couple people from boston and i've chatted with them about this and there's almost like oh yeah you guys attitude right <laughs> like so there is an element of and that could be part and parcel of not having played in the playoffs right throughout this sort of current era of success the the we the north era if you will we haven't played Boston and Boston's kind of been in the same boat as us, right? Like they, maybe they could make the finals if things work their way. They're always at the top of the standings, but we haven't had that playoff matchup and Toronto, as it stands, we'd have home court advantage. If we were to walk in and another piece on my website is talking about the second seed and how important it is, especially going up against Boston, because we've seen how the regular season has unfolded. We walk into their building. They beat us. They walk into our building. They we beat them, Mm -hmm. excluding what happened this year where they beat us on Christmas Day in Toronto. Then we followed it up by beating them on the following Saturday. But that was against the norm. Usually it, it was like for a stretch of like. I want to say like double digit games where Toronto was just winning at home. Boston was winning in Boston. And I think it was like Boston hadn't won in Toronto since like 2015 or 2014 prior to, to beating us on Christmas day. And I'll tell you this, I was there Christmas day. They didn't just beat us. They humiliated us. That game was over halfway through the third quarter. The Celtics ruined my Christmas. I want revenge for that game. Every time I wear my Raptors Christmas day sweatshirt that they gave out, there's 10% of me that feels disappointed. (laughs) And it's because they beat us on Christmas day. So I want revenge for that. And plus, There's always the talk, oh, Brad Stevens this, Brad Stevens that, Brad Stevens this. It's like, you know what? Nick Nurse this, Nick Nurse that. Oh, yes. The dude's got the ring. Brad Stevens has never been to a final. So before we start crowning Brad Stevens as the greatest coach in the NBA, hey, add some hardware to your resume, buddy. Yeah, I agree. Like I've never been one to buy into Brad Stevens. He's been to one Eastern Conference final once. He's been eliminated in the first round more times than I can count. It, it, look, I just can't buy it. Like, for me, it's, you're right. I think the last time the Raptors won before this year in Boston, what, I was at that game. I want to say it was 2016 that they were able to do it. Um, and you're right. It just seems like, I, I mentioned this in the piece, it seems like they just split every year. It's always 2-2. And again, the regular season isn't a barometer to dictate how they're going to perform in the playoffs, but it's something that I think Raptors fans are thirsty for. And it's always like you try, at least for me, maybe it's because I'm from the region. When I look at the playoff matchup and I look at the tree in the bracket, I'm like, how can the Raptors face the Celtics? How is this possible? How could they get there? And it's always like they just 
don't get it. It just can't happen. And this year, it was like perfect and prime, ready to go for it to happen. It's like, uh, look, I like to call back to it. I did it in the article. Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. Like, for the <laughs> longest time after WrestleMania 12, they were like, how are we going to put these two together? And, you know, the, the final four, that in-your-house final four, and Bret Hart's the champion, and Shawn Michaels, number one contender. They're going to face off at WrestleMania 13. Up, oh, Shawn Michaels loses his smile. This can't happen. Like, <laughs> like it's just there's always these breakdowns as to when it was going to happen, and it doesn't until it did. And yeah, uh, no, God, you're you're absolutely right. And there's also this preemptive crowning of Jason Tatum as the best young player in the East. And sure, he's he's a little bit younger than Siakam, but you know, like you guys want to talk about all the great young players in the East. Let's do a count of who's has the championship ring on their finger. It's exactly. Siakam one, everyone else zero. Zero. And look, like I, I give nothing, take nothing away from Tatum. Tatum's really good, and he had a great February. He really did. But who started for the All Star team? Like, yeah. you know, let's like see him do it in the playoffs against yeah, us. Let's see it. Let's see it happen. And I, I don't think that he can. And I think, like, <laughs> it, and I, who was it that was it? Was it Tatum or was it Brown that said they are the the Raptors are the most like defensive tough team that he's ever played against? They always find a way to be defensively tough. Yeah, you're, I don't remember who said it, but I do remember that quote. And it's true. And that's the eye test. We watch it night in, night out. Uh, the team's best player, you know, the, oh, they averaged 30 points. Okay, they got to 22 points against us on eight first, 27 shooting. Like, we are uh, a, a – we have a, def a defense at the level of a championship-level defense. And that's a carryover from last year. So – but that would be the main event, and it would be probably like, again, Raptors fans would care more about it, but it's one of those things where like the true animosity starts when you eliminate or you've been eliminated by a team. I say it time and time again. Offense wins games. Defense wins championships. And there's no doubt that the stronger defensive team, being the Toronto Raptors, would take this. I think it would go the distance. I think it would go seven. But Toronto has home court advantage, and this is why I think they would, they would beat the Celtics. That and championship experience. So... I'm hungry for it. I hope it happens. I hope the season resumes. Uh, but, you know, I want to put a bow on this. Peter, I want to thank you for allowing me to be part of this column. Like, if you guys haven't checked it out, I've retweeted it a bunch. In fact, before recording this episode, I called it essential reading for everybody to read before listening to this podcast. So if you haven't done it yet and you're listening to this right now, uh, the, the episode's about to conclude. Do yourself a favor. Go on lifeandrepeat.com. It is right there, right at the front. Click on it and enjoy because it, it makes you thirsty for more playoff. And that's exactly what I said to you. Like, this makes me crave it even more. And reading these other scenarios, this roulette, made me crave it even more so. So I just wanted to thank you for allowing me to be a part of it. And uh, no, that's, that's all. And that was kind of the, my motivation for that. It's time to start thinking about this again. And, and like I said at the beginning, I miss interacting with all of these people on Twitter. So this was my own way of creating that. And I'm so grateful that you guys um, all decided to contribute to it. And like I said, like I, I wrote something in there, but these, these other five guys, they're a lot smarter than me. We got Adam of South of the Six. We got Hunter of Raptors Rapture, Jade Johnson of Belly Up Sports. We got Alex and Marshall who uh, contribute to Life and Repeat. So yes, please check it out. It's a lot of fun. Listen to these guys. If you've enjoyed this discussion, these guys write about it on a higher level than Adam and I can even talk about. So do check it out. I agree. And I, and I can't top that. So I'll, I'll finish it right there. So, you know, the deal, we went a little bit over an hour and a half who to thunk it that we could do this 
during a pandemic. I'm certainly not shocked when it comes to the chemistry that you and I have. But that being said, man, the floor is yours. You can finish it off the way you know how to. Go for it, man. So yeah, um, you can find my work, lifeandrepeat.com. That's where you can find the Raptors playoff satisfaction roulette. I highly encourage you to read it and support the the Raptors independent media. And you could follow me on Twitter at life in repeat. And hopefully the season gets going in the not too distant future and we can resume interacting on Twitter and all that fun stuff. And um, normally at this point in the podcast, this is where I would say the four most famous words in the history of the South of the Six podcast. Is that correct, Adam? It is correct. But if okay with you, I'd like to save those four words for another time. Okay. A a different time, a more normal time, if you will, a better time. Instead, instead, I just want to say, I hope everyone is staying safe. I hope everyone is staying well. And remember, be kind to one another. And you know, we all miss Raptors basketball. We all miss Raptors playoff basketball, which would be happening right now in normal times. And one of the things I miss the most during this pandemic is interacting with all of you in the Raptors Twitter community during live Raptors games. I look forward to that day happening again. I know it will happen again. But until then, from my family to yours, be safe, be well. Until next time. I can't top that. So uh, that being said, I second everything you just said, man. And uh, you take care and be well. You too, Adam. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Raptors.